0: eyes unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c.e. dorset and today we're going to talk about a topic that will probably make some of us uncomfortable especially me (laughs) today we're going to talk about what i call dealing with spiritual backlash And this is something that is very difficult to discuss, and I'm going to try to simplify it, and we may, in fact, do more than one episode on this topic. And I actually debated a lot over whether or not I was going to talk about this on the show, but the more people I've talked to recently, the more I found that quite a few people are dealing with this, and it's something that we need to talk about. Okay, so what is spiritual backlash? Well, to use an example for our from our lives, we have been building up our spiritual practice and trying to move it more in the direction that we're wanting, to be experiencing the mystical aspects of life a bit more often and actually bringing in a stronger liturgical Or sacramental or ritual aspect to our practice and so one of the things that we have started doing is performing a daily Eucharist and this has had profound impacts on both of our psyches and both of our spiritual experiences and I do recommend it for anybody who is interested in taking on such a practice. What we do is very simple. It, we recite the um, Lorica, which I talked about on a previous episode a Hawaii's Back, which is posted over at WisdomsCry.com. We then recite the Our Father together. We then bless the bread and the wine, first using the traditional Jewish blessings from the Sabbath meal, which Jesus would have used to bless the food and the wine, and then reciting the words of Christ during the Last Supper, and then taking a moment of quiet reflection and communion and prayer. Oh, actually, we start with the recitation of the beginning of the Gospel of John, and the beginning was the Word, and light a candle, and then do the rest. Um, what happened immediately after this, and this is where we could have long and profound conversations about coincidence and what have you. Over my life, I have gotten to the point where I don't believe in coincidence. Things tend to be related. But as an immediate consequence of this practice, as we started adopting it, things went crazy in our personal lives. And I'm not going to talk a lot about that because it's, it's personal, but suffice it to say financially, um, there's been some health problems crop up in the family. It's all kind of, everything kind of shook all at once and has left us kind of working through issues that we hadn't before. And this experience is not uncommon when you are developing a spiritual practice. You will notice that things that you thought had been dealt with, things that you thought had been fixed or cured, will reassert themselves when you add spiritual practices to your repertoire, when you begin to deepen your experience with the mystical and with the powers of light. Darkness wants to strike back, and it will find its ways. Now, don't think that I am saying that all of our problems are rooted in some supernatural dark force that is actively working against us. I am not that kind of a paranoid individual. What I'm saying is these tend to coincide. And that's why I don't call them coincidences. Whether there is a cause and effect in that we took on these practices and then dark forces pushed back. Or that push from dark forces was coming and through the guiding hand of providence we felt it appropriate to take on these practices, which helped strengthen us to weather the events that followed. I think either is a valid reading, and it's possibly some mix of both that's actually happening here. And when you look at these situations, when you talk to other people who have these experiences, they will often begin the story with, I felt compelled to X and then Y happened. This is where my belief in Providence really comes into its full bloom. That, you know, we felt that this was something that we needed to do just prior to kind of all hell breaking loose on our lives in every possible front that it could all at once. I don't think our actions necessarily caused that, but I think that that was coming and we had an instinct. We had an intuition that came to us to begin stealing ourselves so that we would be ready for it before it happened. So this is why I often say be mindful of your instincts. Be mindful of your intuitions. They are often giving you guidance before the fact. This this really is true, and it does happen. So I'm going to give you kind of the shorthand on how I think about these things, because I think there are a lot of different models that you could go to and talk about here. The one that has helped me most throughout my life is actually looking at the um, chakra system that you find in Hinduism. And I'm actually going to be reading from the Joseph Campbell Companion, where he discusses the chakras, mainly because I find his definitions here very useful in this kind of spiritual work. I also find them very short and simple so that they're easy to understand. So I'm going to go through really quickly and read his definitions, and then we're going to talk. So Chakra 1, Muladhara, the root support, is located at the base of the spine the worldview is of uninspired materialism governed by hard facts and the psychology adequately described in behavioristic terms. Is reactive, not active. Okay? There is on this plane no zeal for life, no explicit impulse to expand. There is simply a lethargic avidity in hanging on to existence and in this grim grip that must finally be broken so that the spirit may be quite, may, may be quit of its dull zeal simply to be. Okay, so chakra two, um, um, so, uh, I'm going to not go, I'm, An apology to people who speak Hindi in Sanskrit and what have you. I am trying to learn Hindi. It is very difficult for me. I am not going to read the Sanskrit words here because I will pronounce them wrong. So, Chakra 2, her special abode, is at the level of the genitals. When the kundalini is active at this level, the whole aim of life is in sex. Not only is every thought and act sexually motivated, either as a means towards sexual ends or as a compensating sublimation of frustrated sexual zeal, but everything seen and heard is interpreted compulsively, both consciously and unconsciously, as symbolic of sexual themes. Psychic energy, that is to say, has the character here of the Freudian libido, myths, deities, and religious rites are understood and experienced in sexual terms. Chakra three, the city of the shining jewel, is located at the level of the navel. Here, the energy turns to violence, and its aim is to consume, to master, to turn the world into itself, and one's own. The appropriate Occidental psychology would be the Adlerian of the will to power. For now, even sex becomes an occasion not of erotic experience, but of achievement, conquest, selfish reassurance, and fre- frequently also revenge. Okay? And I'm only going to do one more, and I'll explain that in a minute. So Chakra um, 4, meaning um, not hit, is at the level of the heart. It is the beginning of the religious life, the awakening where the new life begins, and its name refers to the sound that is not made by any two things striking together. All the sounds that we hear are made by two things striking together. What would the sound be that is not made by two things striking together? It is the sound of the energy of which the universe is, manifest, is a manifestation. It is, therefore, antecedent to things. The heart chakra is opening of the spiritual dimension. All is metaphoric of the mystery. Once you have gotten to this point, all being metaphoric of the mystery, then these lower powers become spiritualized. The very doing of the things in the first three chakras become realizations of chakras five, six, and seven. Okay? So the reason I wanted to go through the first four is because in many, many ways, when we're talking about five, six, and seven, we're talking about the experiences of the saints and the truly holy ones. Most of us, if we are lucky, will make it at least to the level of the heart chakra. But the heart chakra is actually what we're talking about here. When we're talking about the other side, we're talking about this pivot point. So once you get to the fourth chakra, the level of the heart, the level of compassion, the level of the first level of self-awakening and self-realization, you start to see things differently. So the Adlerian will to power, the need for control, in the third chakra becomes the desire for discipline in the fifth. You see the desire for sex and sexuality in the second becomes the desire for spirit and spirituality in the um, sixth and the desire to simply exist becomes the desire for the eternal in the seventh. And so they kind of are the equal and opposite of each other. Okay. This is often what happens when we are confronting the darker spiritual energies, when they start to arise. Because when you add a spiritual practice into your life, when you are working at or feel that you have achieved some level of mastery of a technique or a practice or have gotten a handle on something that through meditation, prayer, and practice you were trying to sublimate in your life, then this is where the scales try to move so the energies on the one side will try to counterbalance the energies on the other the universe tends to balance this is where a lot of people would invoke you know newton and say you know for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction jesus actually says there is a disproportionate reaction He says that if we expel the strong man, he will go and get seven of his friends and return to reclaim what was his. So he's talking about a sevenfold return against us. And from my experience, that's not far from the truth. But we'll talk about that a little bit more after the break. And we're back. Okay, so what am I actually trying to get you to see here? Because not everyone has, well, I'm I'm not really going to say that most people have experienced this in their life in some way, shape or form, but they often write it off as something else because we have a tendency to see our lives in two different lenses. One, the spiritual and the other, the mundane. And so Anything that to us would appear to be on the side of the mundane does not have a spiritual cause to it. So, for example, say you've decided to cut down on how much caffeine you are drinking. The reaction to this, as somebody who has done this in their lives, uh, is outpaced to the actual effect that you're trying to garner the addiction that goes along with having consumed significant amounts of caffeine you notice yourself becoming lethargic having difficulty focusing you will even often at least in my experience have headaches because you didn't have the caffeine that your body expected to have at that point in time the reaction is outpaced it's way out of proportion to the actual change that you're making in your life. I've decided to drink less coffee, so now I can't focus. I'm having a hard time staying awake. I'm having a hard time keeping my energy levels up and I have a headache. All of that because I changed the amount of a beverage I'm having. That is as spiritual a problem as anything else. And I really need you to start to see your life in this way. If you try to disconnect your spirituality from your mundane activities, then your spirituality will not have any of the desired effects that it needs to have. If we are bringing mindfulness to all of these things so that we can grow and become better and stronger, then we have to bring mindfulness to every aspect of our lives. And... We have, in the example just given, kicked out the strong man of caffeine, and now he's come back with seven of his friends, the headache, the lethargy, dot, 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 to fight his way back in. This type of reaction often happens with any practice that we take up. Think when you decide to start meditating. Everyone has a different experience with this. But very often, well, my mind keeps wandering. It won't let me focus. I just can't focus. I keep getting off track. Well, I got really busy and so I didn't have time to do my sitting meditation today. Oh, well, an emergency cropped up and I had to do all these other things so I didn't have time to sit and meditate. All of these things start happening and taking away that new practice from your life. Again, you don't have to cry out and scream demons, though I, I will tell you sometimes that's really cathartic, but it's not the necessary reaction that you have to have. What you need to see is that the citra ara, which we've talked about before, the other side is trying to influence you and bring you back to where it is. When you are trying to bring mindfulness into your life, there will be certain forces from the blanketing of Maya, our inability to actually see the world for what it is because of the veil of illusions that's cast before our eyes. Or be that just the time sinks that have in times past prevented us from having those moments of mindfulness naturally. They will try to intervene. They will try to take your focus away. And this is where you have to be very careful because you can sit, slip so easily from being spiritually focused to being solipsistic, which means self-focused. Think of a child, me, 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 me. Solipsism is a developmental phase that all children go through and we need to grow out of it. Solipsism can return very acutely during the spiritual pro- process while we're doing our spiritual formation. Because we are, again, making ourselves children. We are new to the experiences that we're having. We're new to the experiences that mindfulness is showing to us. And so we can very easily and quickly be drawn into this world of me, 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 me. That's not where we want to go. Think of Dina Monsoon from Absolutely Fabulous, right? She does her yoga, she does her meditation, and she's all about me. You don't want to go there. So there's a fine tightrope, as with most spiritual practices, of trying to find that center, trying to find that middle point between A, thinking that everything in the universe happens because of you, because it doesn't, and seeing the forces that are arrayed in your life, both for and against you. Because various health problems entered into my family, All of a a sudden, as I upped my spiritual practice, does that mean that I caused them all to get sick? No. And if we're not careful, we can think that way. But this is why I said it's very important. Those affects, those changes in the health status of various family members would have happened whether I took my actions or not. The thing here is that I listened to Providence and thus began developing coping skills and coping mechanisms and stealing myself and becoming more firm in my understanding of reality, my understanding of mindfulness, and my ability to calm the frothing cauldron of my thoughts better prior to those events happening. And this is where we get cause and effect backwards sometimes. And we need to start learning to listen for those moments of insight when Providence is trying to guide us to do things that will help us along the way. So the main takeaway that I want you to have from this is, one, listen for those little promptings. They can be strange sometimes, like, you know, I need to say a rosary right now. I need to say these prayers. I need to do this thing. I need to call this person. I need to go to this place. And we need to discern when those are, you know, actually insights that we're getting from a spiritual source and when they are merely, you know, whims. Because not every thought that crosses your mind is a spiritual insight. Trust me, I have tested this out and know it to be true. (laughs) The more you practice, the more you will come to understand that as well. But when those insights do truly happen, you know, I think about a trip that Brian and I took and I wanted ice cream. I just wanted ice cream. We'd been on the road for a very long time and I wanted ice cream. And I looked over and I saw a sign for Dairy Queen at this exit coming up. And please, 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 please. And we got off the road and we stopped and we had ice cream and it was funny and it was weird and it was not like what we were supposed to, you know, what we normally would have done. And then we got back on the road and A little ways down where we would have been if we had continued driving, there was a 10-car pileup. Now, I'm not trying to say that I'm special or anything and that I was more deserving than they were or any of those types of things. What I'm saying is, for better or for worse, whether there was a mystic component to it or not, listening to that whim, that intuition... Because I really wanted to get off the road. I wanted to stretch my legs. I wanted to have ice cream. Kept us from being there when that accident happened. So it's a good thing that we listened. There are other times when I have whims and intuitions like that. And there's no way of knowing whether or not any negative effect would have occurred had I not listened to them. I bring that one up because that's one that sticks out in my mind very specifically because we would have been right where, you know, that happened. So start learning to listen and discern those intuitions. And one of the easiest ways to discern at the beginning, especially with this, is if it doesn't cause harm, if it doesn't hurt anything to actually act on it, hmm. Eh, test it and see what happens. Cuz I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big proponent of test and, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good, you know, that we should try and see and judge things by the fruit of it. So, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as it's not going to cause problems down the road, then just try it and see. And through that trial and error and that mindfulness in judging the outcome of these decisions, you will eventually start to learn whether or not you should trust and when you should start to trust these instincts, these intuitions. So that's part one, because I do think many of us will receive an intuition for action prior to needing these skills and the skillful means that we will learn f- through taking up that type of spiritual practice. It's just a matter of learning to listen for them and acting on them when it's appropriate. So that's number one. Number two, when you are taking a new action spiritually, brace yourself. There is very likely going to be some kind of spiritual backlash that will come into your life. It may be simple, it may be profound, it may be just that all of a sudden you find yourself finding all this busy work that you have been neglecting so that you will eventually neglect the practice that you're taking up or the you know, mindfulness that you're trying to build in your life. It could be that simple and it often is just that simple. But know that it is coming because I don't see a lot of people when they talk about spirituality actually discuss that part or tell you that part. You know? And it's not going to be an equal and opposite. Don't buy into that when you hear people say things like that. Very rarely is it equal and opposite. Usually it is disproportionate. Something will happen. You'll find yourself being insanely busy. It's one of the reasons why I debated for a very long time of, over whether or not to take this podcast weekly, because when I was took it up and decided to do it daily, wow, wouldn't you know, suddenly all this stuff started happening, and I really didn't have the time to prepare and record and upload and all that stuff that I needed to be able to do this daily, and so it became a chore. And... It was a lot of discernment time for me to figure out where I should be putting my energy and my effort. And one of the reasons why I eventually decided to take this podcast weekly, though, like I said, if you all want, we can look at adding more days, but it would be a gradual rollout if we did decide to expand to more days. But one of the main reasons why I decided to take it daily was when I realized that the podcast, the, the spiritual practice of doing this podcast was becoming a distraction from my other work. And I'm not talking about like my day job, like writing or, you know, the other podcasts that I do or anything like that. I started telling myself, well, I did a podcast today, so that counts as my meditation. I don't have to meditate. And no, that's not how that works. And so it was a decision really for my own betterment that, you know, I will start doing the podcast weekly because I can easily fit that into my schedule and continue to do my daily meditation that I need to be doing to keep myself in a mindful state and once I get better at that and start finding all of those moments of miraculous time that start to appear when you live more mindfully, I will eventually find the time and if the audience is interested, move to a different schedule. So discernment is very important in all of this. I hope you found that helpful. I know a lot of people who are struggling with this in their lives right now. And it often manifests in them taking way too personally the events that are happening. Don't do that. This is a natural thing that happens when you are on a spiritual path. And you should just be ready for it. You should know that it is out there because you don't, you know... Too few people are talking about it, in my opinion. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share this podcast with more people. That really does help out a lot. If you are listening in an app that allows you to rate or review either the podcast or the episode, please do that. That tells the algorithms to share me with more people, and that helps get the word out as well. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way. In the show notes, you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can give at the one, five, or $10 levels. That money really does help out a lot. It Things are really tight right now, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want to sound like I'm begging for money, but yeah, things are really rough right now, and anything that you can do is very helpful. And thank you very much. If you don't have the money to give, please pray for us. We need your prayers really badly. Um, there is power in prayer. Go back, listen to the episode on that if you need to. There is power in prayer. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter. You can find links to everything that I do over at WisdomsCry.com. And until next time... May God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion. Amen.